This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, His hands the wonders wrought. This is my Father's world, the birds their carols raise, the Childhood 
Everyone who thirsts, come to the water. We are thirsty for love, for truth, for justice. God promises us life and life abundantly. Let us praise our generous God. Welcome to worship, good neighbors. You are listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service, sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Duranda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Lauren Tague, and thanks today to Jim Hagerud and Debbie Tague, our musicians, and thanks for our in recording engineer, Isaac Christensen. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and its live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. And if you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577, by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. We want to thank WPCA Radio for this broadcast. Next Sunday we'll be at Little Falls Lutheran for our 930 worship, and we'd love to see you all there. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name, even when we are not together in a church building. God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. You may want to have a cloth to lay before you, a candle or a cross, and making a small worship space to enhance your at-home worship experience. You may also want to have a Bible to follow along with the scripture readings. As we begin worship, it is our desire to honor God, to open our hearts to the spirit of God's love and presence, and begin with the invocation. Dedicating this hour to the presence and purposes of God, we worship together with God the Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Spirit, our breath of life. Amen. We now will continue with the gathering songs. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Tells me so. Jesus loves me, loves me still, though I'm very weak and ill, that I might from sin be free, bled and died upon the tree. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes. Jesus loves me, yes, 
Jesus loves me, he who died. Heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let his little child come in. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. He will stay close beside me all the way. Thou hast bled and died for me. I will henceforth live for thee. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Steal when I 
Happy Father's Day. I wanted to share a few reflections on that uh, before we go on with the rest of the service. In some ways, I've got to be careful because as I reflect on fathers, sometimes you kind of think about your own um, things that you've done as a father and haven't always been impressed with the things we've done. Uh, as I reflected on it, there were a few things that I, I wish I had done better uh, so just reminders for us to keep in our hearts and our minds what it means to be a father. One is uh, to not rely on things, but to be present for our kids and for each other. So often it's so easy to be so busy that we think we can make up for it with things or that we... Uh, don't want to be bothered with other stuff, so we don't always be, make ourselves present and how important that is for our young people. I also think we got to be careful that so many times we, we get caught with doing a lot of things with energy and passion. And by the time we get home, whether it's job or some other things, we don't have a lot left over and the only thing we do give is leftovers to our kids and our wives, and that's not good either. We need to take time to be, have our energy and passion for our family. And probably one that I struggle with, and maybe a lot of pastors do, I don't know, but I think a lot of us do. As many times we look at our kids and we start giving them sermons and lectures on how they should act and how they should do things, instead of listening to see where they're at and what's going on in their lives. It's not that we don't have things to say and advice, but first we would do well to listen a lot more as dads. And then I think that ties in with the whole thing that we need to have a lot of grace for our kids. We can't demand perfection or the ideal of what we thought our kids should be like and how they should act, but we should give grace grace for them to grow, grace for them to fail. I mean, after all, I played baseball, a lot of you probably have, or did even just goofing off, and you, my goodness, if you hit 300, in terms of three out of 10 times, you're considered pretty successful without saying that there were seven times that you didn't get a hit. We ought to give that grace for our kids too, so that they can grow in grace. And then last of all, I hope that we share our faith, that we give spiritual encouragement to our kids to pray, to care for others, to hear God in the silence or in the devotions that we share together or the blessings we give our kids. Those all, if we can do those things and remember and reflect more and more on them, it makes for a much happier Father's Day. And so I wish for all of you 
a very great Father's Day of care and of love for your family and for your family's love for you. I didn't mean it this way, but now we go into the confession of sin. <laughs> uh, and maybe us fathers need to do that, or we all do. So, we confess our sins before God and one another. Holy God, we come before you filled with grief and shame, aware that we have caused harm to others, both directly and indirectly, both by our actions or by our failures to act. We have selfishly sought after our own comfort at the expense of others. We have turned a blind eye to the needs of the oppressed, the brokenhearted, and the prisoners. Forgive us for all the ways we have refused to live in love for you and our neighbor and our families. As God purified Isaiah with fire from the altar, so God takes away all our sin and frees us from the burdens of shame that would prevent us from full participation in God's joyful and abundant reign, now and always. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We continue with the litany. We shall go out in joy. We shall be led back in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song. The trees will clap their hands. The cypress will grow instead of thorns. Myrtle will grow instead of briars. God's word goes out into the world like seeds scattered in the field. God's word accomplishes its purposes through us, bearing good fruit for the sake of the world. This is an everlasting sign of God's love and power, and it will not be cut off. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Abundant God, you surround us with miracles every day. You call us into relationship with you and community and with our neighbors. You fill us with joy. Make us ever mindful of your gifts that we might share them generously with all who are in need and work tirelessly for your will to be done for the sake of all creation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'd like to share the first reading from Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verses 1 through 13. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the people. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. 
Let them return to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and, and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and succeed in the thing for which it, I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills be, before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The second reading is from John, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water shall be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water I will give will become to them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. I'd like to share a brief story for our children's sermon. It's one I've used quite a bit, but I think it fits well with the passage today. Larry Christensen was a pastor out in California and his family uh, a fun family and they did some interesting things and one night as they were sitting around they had what a lot of you have you know after supper good old ice cream you can almost hear the kids kids say ice cream you scream we all scream for ice cream well they were enjoying it when the one youngest one of the family said boy wouldn't it be great if all we had to eat was ice cream and the dad mom looked at each other and they kind of smiled and they said, okay, tomorrow is ice cream day. We are going to eat nothing but ice cream. The kids jumped up and said, that sounds great. And they said, you can actually order the kind of ice cream you want. So if there's a special one you want, uh, you can get that. And we'll, we'll go out and get that tonight so you can have it tomorrow. So when breakfast came, they all came down right away because there was ice cream waiting for them, and they gorged out on it. Came in for a break, there was some ice cream again. And again, they enjoyed it. At lunch, or the dinner meal, the noon meal, they came again, and there was that ice cream. They weren't quite as excited by that time. It was getting to be a little bit harder on the stomach. And then the mom did a cruel thing that afternoon. She went and made bread. And so that bread baking in the oven permeated the whole house. And when the youngest one came running in and said, hey, can I have a slice of bread? And then he remembered, no, today was only ice cream. And so she, the mom gave him another bowl of ice cream. And he sat there with both his head in both hands, looking at ice cream, smelling that bread. And he says, boy, what I wouldn't do for a piece of bread. 
Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He wants to give us that which sustains us. It's not that ice cream is bad. It's just not something that sustains us in life. Isaiah was saying the same thing, that God's kingdom, you are invited into a community in which all people can have food without price. That they would spend their money for that which is, if they did, for that which was good and their labor for which that would satisfy. So kids, love your ice cream, celebrate it. But remember the basic thing in life is knowing who this Jesus is. And in Jesus, you have the bread of life, the thing that will sustain you. Let us pray. O Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And yet how common how many ways you commonly meet us in our eating, in our living, from the planting of seed to the harvesting to the eating. May we always remember that you sustain all of life and most of all, us. May we celebrate you each day, amen. Well, let's have another song from Jim and Debbie. Praise Him, praise Him, all ye little children. God is love, God is love. Praise Him, praise Him, all ye little children. God is love, God is love. Love Him, love Him, all ye little children. story. Uh, good old Oli and Lena. I hope it kind of connects a little bit to the sermon. It may not. I hope you just enjoy. But Oli and Lena, they, they were quite the couple. Uh, they loved their eating and it started to show as the years went by and Lena got concerned, especially about Oli being a little bit overweight. And so she said, Oli, I think we need to uh, get a diet going. And so she starts cutting back on the sweets. In fact, it got so that she got no sweets, and Ole was kind of disgruntled with all this. But he went along. After all, she was doing the cooking, and so Ole ate what she put forward, but it was tough on him. Well, after a few years of that, Ole and Lena were driving down the road one day, and they got in a car accident, and they both died. 
Well, they went to heaven, and there was Peter to meet them. And Peter said, Welcome, Ole and Lena. Welcome to heaven. Here's this great mansion you get to live in. And Ole said, Oof, what's that going to cost to stay in here? Peter said, Ole, you're in heaven. It's not going to cost you anything. Oh, yeah, Ole said. And so they go inside, and they go upstairs, and they get into this spacious room, which is theirs to stay. And he looks out the window, and there's this most magnificent golf course that he's ever seen. And he says, P Peter, can you tell me how much that's going to cost to play golf out there? Peter said, Ole, this is heaven. You can play all the rounds of golf you want to, and it's not going to cost you a thing. Wow. Well, then it was time for dinner. And when you know they got down, and there was all this food. It was fantastic. All the stuff that Ole had loved over the years. And he looked at Peter and said, I don't know about this. Can I eat this food? And Peter said, yes. Well, how much is it going to cost? And again, Peter said, Ole, it's all free. It's all not going to cost you a thing. Ole glared back at Lena. You and your diet, we could have been here years ago. Sometimes we live in a world of scarcity. And it's not that Lena was bad. But sometimes we need to understand there's times to celebrate the goodness of God and what he has given us. Abundance in a life of faith isn't just about the spectacular. It's about the very ordinary things that we have in life. So again, from the narrative I'd like to read, a lot of us are used to hearing about an abundance mindset in direct contrast with a scarcity mindset. This is a helpful comparison in that it reminds us to think in terms of gratitude instead of fear, to preempt things, people, and situations instead of reacting to them, and to maintain a vision of thriving instead of rationing. Living abundantly is a little like playing offense instead of defense, like going after what you want, or maybe even what you know God wants for you, instead of worrying about what might get in the way of all of that. In a way, then, an abundance mindset is a bit counterintuitive for most of us. We are conditioned socially, politically, and economically to plan and prepare for the worst. We are encouraged to compete with other people on every front and to measure our goodness, our worthiness using achievements. We tend to equate our senses of self-worth with productivity. We are told that you can never have too much, which means you can never truly have enough. It's clear in this passage that God calls us to shirk these kinds of teachings blatantly, dramatically, fully. An abundant life of faith is a life that goes against the grain of self-sufficiency and scarcity. But what's even more clear and infinitely more interesting is that God calls us to ground ourselves in the most basic, foundational, ordinary things we could possibly imagine. Water, bread, sprouting seeds. 
According to the prophet Isaiah, the path to everlasting covenants and steadfast love is paved with small-scale, mundane, base-level things, like what you use to nourish your body and what you see coming out of the dirt. Really, mindset isn't a term that does true abundance much justice, because what this text tells us, and that abundance is more than a mindset, it's more than a reframe, it's more than a series of tricks to help us avoid the pitfalls of scarcity thinking. Abundance is about a creation-wide transformation that centers and appreciates the magic in everyday things. A transformation of everything from our hearts to the trees. Abundance is, not about, is about internalizing the uniquely powerful grace of God and letting it lead us letting it inspire everything we think and everything we do, starting with the basics. I like what they had to say there. Because so much of our time and our money and stuff gets spent on things like junk food, things that don't help us survive and don't satisfy. We see it all around us. We see this living with stuff that really doesn't make much sense. We don't take the time to spend in worship. We don't take the time to spend alone with God. We don't take time to have God nourish us so that we can be the people that witness to his great grace and love in our world, with our families, with our neighbors. We need to receive with delight the good food that God wants to give us. Jesus in the gospel talks about the water gushing out. In other words, it's something that is not just kind of a trickle that's coming out, but it's gushing out and it gives us life. There was a young college girl who was struggling with life and talked to her pastor quite a bit over months. And she was struggling with where she should go, how she should live, how things are going to happen for her, how, what kind of a job she was going to have. It was really a tough time for her. For some months they met and talked together. They even exchanged letters and finally one day the pastor knew that she had come back to solid ground for in a letter she wrote, I see now God does not save me from on the outside Instead, it is this way. When you are safe on the inside, you are safe on every side. Isn't that a great line? When you are safe on the inside, you are safe on every side. She had discovered the only security that really counts, the security of knowing that Christ dwelt in her heart. And nothing in all of life can be so great as to believe in our wonderful God, who is with us today and who wants us to be our personal friend, always. In the book, uh, Cast Your Bread Upon the Waters, Ruth Rungdahl Nelson speaks about a doctor in uh, another country who was so anti-Christian. He just seethed any time he heard somebody talk about faith and yet there was a young intern, Amal Booty, with her beautiful faith was more than a match for this doctor. 
He would tease her with, well, seems to be on personal terms with the Almighty. Have you ever seen him? To which her answer would come back, indeed I have, with the eyes of faith. And I moreover know his son Jesus, and Jesus is the spitting image of God. As he said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. At another coffee break, he swaggered up to her, look at the long centuries Christianity has been in the world, and then look at the mess we're still in. To this, her answer was, you remind me of the heckler in London's Trafalgar Square, who with a dirty face had made fun of a Salvationist using these same words. And do you know what the quiet old Salvation Army man said to, word to him was? I'd be interested in your telling me, Hamel said the doctor. Well, sir, it was this. Fella, look at the many eons water has been in the world, and then look at the condition of your face. Christ hasn't failed, Amal went on to say. We failed to apply his timeless truths. In other words, we haven't eaten, we haven't drank of the waters of life. And usually she would end that conversation with, and doctor, I am praying for you that God will yet be permitted to get into your needy heart. And then he would add, turning away, well, Amal, I guess I can't stop you from that. But all that was kind of a prelude to what was going to happen. One night he called Ruth Rangdahl Nelson's husband, who was a pastor. He then said he thought putting his whole family to, well, he said, excuse me for coming so late an hour, but I've got trouble, bad trouble. And one of my colleagues suggested I seek you out for counseling. He agreed that I ought to not postpone since I shared with him some of the dark thoughts I've entertained. He then said he'd thought of putting his whole family to sleep with poison. His story had to do with a grievous change in their relationship with his wife. She claimed he had stifled her love by neglect and total disregard to family for the concerns of his profession. She threatened to pick up the family and fly home saying that divorce was the only out. After he finished his story, his whole body was torn with stifled sobs. As a doctor, I know perfectly well I could tip over at my time, and frankly, I'm frightened. I know I could lose control of myself and not be responsible. Oh, I need your help and the help of God Almighty. While he was talking to Clarence, I made coffee and sandwiches. The doctor admitted that he had not eaten that entire day and the informal discussion over that cup of coffee broke the tension. Then followed an hour of searching the Bible together and never did the heart reach more avidly for the great and comfortable promises of scripture. He obviously was a changed man, but what was neat about this story, it didn't just change him, it was such a remarkable change in him that when Clarence, the pastor who had talked to him, went to his family, sat down with the wife, and they talked it through, and she agreed to give it a second chance, and they became a family again. He, when he'd go to the hospital to do his calls, he also noticed a whole change in the staff. As they had seen the change in this man, 
this doctor, they now were interested in having that same thing happen to others. And so he was asked to meet with different patients who were struggling with different issues. You see, we have the bread of life, and it is not just for us alone. It is one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. What a gift we have. What a gift Isaiah was sharing. What a gift Jesus shares with the water and with Isaiah, the water, the wine, the bread, all those things. Those speak to us about the sustenance of life, the very ordinary things that make love so powerful in our midst. May you be blessed today with the bread of life. Amen. Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in His bosom gather, nestling bird nor star in heaven, such a refuge here was given. God His own doth tender nourish, in His holy courts they flourish, from all evil things he spares them, in his mighty arms he bears them. Neither life nor death shall ever from the Lord his children sever. Unto them his grace he showeth, and their sorrows confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord, listen to your children pray. Inspired by the words of the prophet Isaiah, we pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Your ways are indeed not our ways, O God, and yet we so often prefer our own. Turn our hearts to you again, and give us your own eyes to see the world which you have made. 
God of inspiration, in mercy, hear our prayer. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, so shall your word be unleashed throughout the earth to accomplish all that you envision. May we neither avoid nor stand in the way of your powerful purposes, but rather be your agents of change. God of inspiration, in mercy, hear our prayer. Raise up leaders in our communities and around the world who are committed to the flourishing of all people and the whole of creation. God of inspiration, in mercy, hear our prayer. The water that you give can quench thirst for eternity. Give us this life-giving refreshment when we thirst for healing, wholeness, and restoration. Offer your cup of living water to all who have particular needs, especially Kelsey Zamuda, Jim Wade, Lee and Maury Nicholson, Pat and Lucille Trofe, Ida Martinson, Randy Goglin, Shirley Lenz, Becky Anderson, Joyce Anderson, Helen Erickson, Helen Jorgensen, Jean Hoisington, Julie Dubois, Mike Crerup, Matt Crerup, Scott Morgan, and Diane Fall, God of inspiration, in mercy, hear our prayer. <clears throat> with your witness, David, and with all the saints who testified to your glory and who lived and died in you, we also add our voices, trusting that you will empower us as you did them. God of inspiration, in mercy, hear our prayer. We lift these and all those we name in our hearts up to you, loving God, trusting in the promise of your mercy through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your As we shared the prayers of the church, I also want to say that uh, for all of you who are listening, if you have a desire to make sure that what's that you're safe on the inside or you're not feeling safe on the inside, the pastors in this community are great. There are a lot of us that would love to talk to you about making sure that you feel safe or know that you are safe according to the promises of Jesus. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church, even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, your home congregation, the synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. Gracious and holy God, bless these tithes and offerings we have given for the sake of the kingdom. Let the grace and generosity of the Father be the light that guides us the compassion of the Son be the love that inspires us, and the presence of the Spirit be the power that moves us. Amen. Continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you a favor and grant you peace. Amen. Be not dismayed, whatever time, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every listening to a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small town churches in Amory, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. God will take care of you. Lean with